This is the 15th episode of the Nifty Nick Show. Today I am super excited to have on a punk among punks. An early crypto punk collector, he had quite the portfolio of apes and aliens, and his decision to sell them opened up the market that we see today. This show is all about learning from those with skin in the game in the world of NFTs, and as usual, today's guest is no exception, so let's get started. If you're looking for some crypto, you just found the right spot. We wrap it up, one of a kind, NFT straight to the top. Now don't go trading based on comments, we provide in this show. It's not investment advice, but our picks do tend to blow up. Like a rocket, they say. Many people have compared it to people's every day. So if you're trying to figure out what's going on in this space, please do not worry, your boy Nifty Nick is hot on the case. Yeah. All right, welcome to the show. Stray Bits. Hey, thanks for having me. I gotta ask first, uh, where did that username come from? Uh, just partly from just being a wandering hacker, you know, a digital nomad sort of thing. Just kind of like the the sound of it, and you know, the username was available, so one thing led to another. Excellent. So yeah, let, maybe we can kick things off with, you know, I don't want to spend too much time rehashing your your CryptoPunk story, but I think it bears repeating. Uh, at least for the uh, first portion of this uh, conversation, as it's a pretty epic tale. So maybe we can kick things off with like how you got involved in uh, CryptoPunks and the initial portfolio that you built up. Uh, sure. Um, I mean, initially, like a lot of kind of early adopters, you know, I found out about CryptoPunks through the, the Mashable article, and I had uh, just you know I quit my job, you know, do some traveling. You know, my cat had died and. My lease is up. My romantic interests were done, kind of where I was at, and it was like the time to kind of pack up and leave and go see the world if I was going to ever do some traveling. So, uh, you know, I was kind of spending some time before I uh, left for Sri Lanka, about a week before I left or so, and came across the national article and, um, you know, had already invested about half my my savings into uh, Ethereum and been playing around with smart contracts, that sort of thing. And it both seems like, you know, a really cool project because it was like the first art on the Ethereum blockchain. And, you know, it seemed like a great way of being able to play around with smart contracts, you know, and get something cool to show for it. So just kind of spent an afternoon checking out the contract and the site and, you know, playing with it. And, you know, when I got, when I started exploring everything, I found, you know, they had all these, all the aliens that they had mentioned that are super rare, you know, were still available. Like, you know, one had been claimed by the devs and one other had been claimed the, the cowboy alien had been claimed by somebody else before I, I found it, um, but all the rest were available, including uh, our now infamous uh, Peruvia's 7804, uh, which was the second punk that I claimed. So I spent a couple hours just grabbing all the aliens and apes and, uh, that I could, which was, yeah, seven aliens and eight apes, and then uh, grabbed a couple more that looked cool, you know, like some 3D glasses and a couple cool numbers like, you know, Pi 3141 and 2600 after the hacker quarterly couple hoodies, a couple, uh, or a, a Tierra or two, and a, a pilot, both of which, had, or one of which had the choker. Um, and then I kind of was like, okay, that's, that's a lot of rare ones. I should just kind of like, you know, cool off and let other people grab stuff. And yeah, that was that was it. Took off to Sri Lanka a week later and got, dove into the, the Discord community from there. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, initially... Uh, you now just have this uh, portfolio of CryptoPunks that, I, you know, at that time, were you expecting that these are going to be like a wild popular thing one day? Um, I mean, I had an inkling it, it, it could be, you know, it was kind of one of those like, 
you know, maybe it, maybe it'll like fizzle out. Maybe it'll be something, you know, amazing down the road. I kind of suspected if it was going to happen, it would be like, you know, 10, 20 years down the road or longer. You know, I didn't think it would be, you know, quite the, the, the boom and resurgence would happen quite so, so suddenly. But it, but it makes sense, of course, looking back now that, you know, with what the, the modified ERC-20 um, smart contract for the Grippic punks, you know, helps, you know, bring into the world was, you know, the uh, ERC-721 standard for which a lot of NFTs fall today. So you can kind of see looking back, of course, retroactively, why, why it became, you know, so important to our, our world here. But yeah, the time, I have to agree, would be decades off. Yeah. At trying to estimate the future value of, uh, you know, a random digital asset is difficult to do. However, in this case, <laughs> I mean, it, it seemed like a, a, a smart move. In hindsight, it definitely was a smart move. So then what happened next was... I, th- I think a, an important part of the story, which was essentially that like you enabled this marketplace to exist for a lot of these things for the, I guess the highest end of that marketplace by selling them essentially. And I'm curious, like what drove you to do that? And when did you end up doing that? I think it was kind of a mix of things. You know, I was, I was having great conversations and building good relationships with people in the community you know, I, I knew they were rare and I didn't know exactly what I would sell them for or, or what would be the right price kind of thing. And especially for, you know, these, these visual assets that were just kind of like these silly, you know, pixel avatars that we were trading for, you know, 0. 0.05, 0. 0.02 ETH, you know. And uh, eventually I got some pretty big bids and, you know, it was, it was a lot of ETH, you know, even at the, the value it was at that time. So it was kind of like, it was pretty difficult to turn around, you know, to turn down. And, and also, you know, I felt kind of, kind of bad being the only one that, you know, hoarded all these, you know, the aliens, especially there's a, you know, other apes and ape holders out there. And of course, you know, the zombies, you know, uh, were certainly living pretty free. Um, although, uh, uh, Row got a pretty good uh, corner on that market <laughs> early on. But, uh, yeah, I just kind of knew that it wouldn't be good to hold on to. And, you know, talking with other, you know, People who are who are early in there, and you know, it was fun to kind of develop little stories about about the punks, like oh, this one, you know, this ape with the um, cowboy hat, you know, his brother is the one with the 3D glasses and the cowboy hat, and yeah, you know, just just goofing off, and no, it was just it was just kind of like it felt it felt right, um, you know, I knew I, I I didn't want to sell all of them, but as time went on, I kind of like, you know, I kind of wasn't sure, like you know, maybe I should just, you know, maybe I should just sell them and maybe if they start to like get some attention again, I can always try to like buy one back again at some point. But of course, by then, you know, it was uh, too late for me to be able to try, try to buy one back, at least the, the aliens. But, uh, but fortunately, you know, I ended up finding a, a lost uh, ape. Um, I had a wallet that I'd forgotten about that I registered a single, single ape in. You know, because I didn't really know if like maybe, maybe like, you know, the wallet that registered them, you know, could be associated with, you know, a particular punk. And so, like, maybe I should have different wallets that register a given punk. Anyway, I'd, I'd forgotten completely about it. And, uh, you know, coming back uh, here at the, you know, beginning of the year, I was quite elated to, to find that. Yeah, I think anybody would be. I certainly uh, have not found one in any of my wallets. Uh, but that's also because I didn't buy any, uh, which I, <laughs> I deeply regret. Okay, so you, you sold these. You now have one. How did you start? Did you start investing in other NFTs at that point? How did you begin thinking about the NFT market 
or did you not? You were uh, you've just been uh, hanging out and working as a developer. Uh, well, I work as a um, uh, ethical hacker, uh, doing like pen tests and that kind of thing. But at, at the time, I was more um, kind of focused on traveling and uh, working on some photography um, during my travels. And there weren't really much other digital. I mean, there were some. You know, NFTs hadn't really come, you know, into focus at that point as, as like a discrete thing. But there were other projects going on um, that I had some interest in, in, interest in. I mean, like Mooncuts popped up not long after as the Crypto Kitties. But, um, but I think one of the only other things I kind of got into was um, Ethercraft, uh, which is still around. The, the developers, developers are still working on it. But, uh, you know, that was more, that was less like NFTs and more kind of like limited tokens. But, you know, like you could buy certain swords, like an Excalibur or whatever, and it'd be like, you know, a hundred of those or 50 of those or whatever it was. And then the idea was they're kind of building this sort of dungeon that you could like, you know, load up your character with all these various uh, items to kind of increase their chance of survival. And then you set the strategies uh, for the character to like run through the dungeon, like whether they're going to be aggressive or defensive or, you know, retreat if they run out of food or whatever it is. And you send send them into the dungeon and then, you know, if they survive, then presumably you'd get, you know, loot, i.e. eat. That you could, you know, like get cash money to sell. So it becomes a sort of like interesting strategy game based around what items that you've bought and equipped your character with. Um, but if you die, of course, you know, then you lose them all. And then those are those items are now in the pool for other characters to potentially find if they they run the dungeon. Um, but that that kind of like sort of fizzled, fizzled out at least back in 2017. Um, but I guess developers are still working on it, so I'm kind of still holding up for that. Um, but in terms of other Traditional NFTs as we know them today. No, I didn't. I didn't get any more. Interesting. And do you have any interest in them, like in uh, like moving forward? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I've um, you know getting back to the space has been and really refreshing and invigorating. You know, especially like the, the art block stuff that Snowfro is doing. Like I've been uh, following that very closely. There's been some really amazing art coming out of there, and then there's been a lot of like you know really really digital artists who are getting some you know proper recognition and doing some really interesting releases that I've been following along and, you know, collecting a few things here and there. And then, uh, you know, as somebody who's an amateur photographer, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed getting a chance to see, you know, some photographers like uh, Justin Alvisanto kind of getting a chance to like digitize and you know, promote their work. So, so yeah, long story short, it's, it's been pretty, pretty interesting and addicting <laughs> to get, to get into the NFT world as it is now. Yeah, most definitely. And I think that's something that, well, as someone who's tracking it closely, I I agree with that sentiment. So I wonder, like moving forward, how do you envision, like, what do you think about the, as these crypto punks get, you know, auctioned off by Christie's and things like that? Are you holding on to your punk indefinitely? Or are you just waiting for it to be worth like uh, $10 million or something like that? Uh, well, I, I mean, I do have um, my, uh, my Cowboy 8, I remember five five seven seven up right now for a purchase uh, of a mere eight thousand eight hundred eighty eight point eight 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 eight. But uh, most likely, I probably will end up sending, selling the ETH, but or the the eight. But it kind of depends. To me, I guess right now that eight kind of represents my last kind of potential to get like a very solid windfall from you know being an early adopter. So on one hand, it would be very painful to sell and, you know, because there's so much potential uh, that's just kind of growing and being explored right now. 
um, that, you know, once again, I feel like, you know, if I, I sell it, I'll miss out on, on some of the really compelling things that will be happening in the space, whether it's punk DAOs, you know, gamification on various platforms as, you know, entities like continue to evolve and be kind of plugged into, you know, new projects that are growing around the space. You know, there's so much going on, punk rentals, whatever it is. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm never going to be punkless. You know, I still have a bunch of punks that I'm always going to hold on to. And I might buy some more if I sell the ape. But yeah, like, like I said, like that, that ape is kind of my last chance to really kind of get a solid windfall. So unfortunately, I may sell it. It just kind of depends, you know, how the wind blows. Well, I'll let you know if I come up with a spare $18 million. And uh, <laughs> yeah, then I can, I'll consider this as a, as a uh, purchase. My guess is someone hey, else. Hey, It'll be first on my list. I can put you as uh, you know the only address that can make the purchase. <laughs> okay, I appreciate that. Well, you may be waiting for a while unless you know someone's interested in buying this podcast for nineteen million dollars. So, in, in the uh, interim, I probably wouldn't go ahead with that. But so, what are you looking toward now? You know, you were early on with um, with this one call. Now, a lot of that information is wi- uh, widely available, and I feel like it's pretty common. And the NFT space is sort of booming at this point. So everyone's at least familiar with it, whether or not they're adopting it or not. That's a whole other story. Is there something that you're excited about now in terms of investing your time or money in, in this space outside of, you'd mentioned selling some of your photos. I'm wondering if there's anything else that seems compelling to you outside of, you know, your, your existing, what you're seeing today. Yeah. Um, I mean, as I mentioned, uh, art blocks is very exciting. Um, and I've been following that closely. I've uh, gotten involved in the Squiggle DAO. You know, those are both, you know, what, you know, Art Black is an amazing platform and you know, Snowfro and his team have done, you know, profound things with it, in my opinion, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Um, and then, of course, we have the, um, the Larval Labs, you know, Project 3, whatever that may be, which is on the horizon. You know, there's been murmurings of it that I'm looking forward to. One of the other things that I'm kind of still... I'm following and interested in, and I've picked up a few NFTs for, is uh, Ether Cards. You know, uh, Tony Herrera uh, got me involved with them. And Tony's an amazing guy um, and been around since the beginning, uh, which, yeah, I think you interviewed him previously. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so I, I've been following that with interest because it, it really adds a lot of complexity and interesting things that can be done with a given NFT. And, um, yeah, I, I know they're having some growing pains in figuring out what they can do legally and you know some things have been shifted around and it's it's not really a surprise with anything with any sort of complexity being built especially when like you have a non anon team behind it that have to like adhere to uh, regional laws and so you know i kind of expect that that's going to take a little bit um to kind of bake so to speak to really kind of figure out exactly what it's going to be but i i think that has a lot of potential uh otherwise i'm yeah just kind of keeping an eye out for, for projects that, that do something interesting with the NFT. Like, you know, it's not just, you know, a simple token. It's, you know, so much more. It's a, it's a path to something. It's a way of interacting with a game. It's a, you know, it's an avatar, you know, in, you know, some 3D virtual space, you know, whatever it is. Like, that's those are kind of the projects that I'm trying to look at, add, add some sort of interesting immersion complexity to what can be done. And that brings about you know, hopefully a paradigm shift uh, in, in how NFTs are used as this whole space evolves. Yep. So I've been seeing a bunch of interesting uh, concepts for uh, an existing project. You mentioned a couple of them, and I'm actually curious about 
So I actually had Eric the other day on discussing art blocks, but we did not get to the point about squiggle DAO. And this is an area that I'm particularly curious about what the ultimate value is to the, I guess maybe the right term is shareholders. Like, I, I don't know what you call the members of a DAO. However, ultimately, like it, it sounds like you get to participate if you have a squiggle and that's what gives you access. But essentially what you're doing is creating a portfolio of those into and putting placing those into the DAO. Is that correct? I, as, I, as I understand it, yes. I mean, there's, there's a lot of nuance that I'm still discovering myself behind how the squiggle DAO works. You know, I, I made sure to have some and, you know, participate in the initial snapshot. But uh, I'm still kind of, yeah, getting up to speed myself. That's one of the challenges as you navigate this space, including NFTs, the crypto world in general, is it's difficult to parse, you know, what really is transformational and what isn't. DAOs, and, and by isn't, that, that may not be the right word, but it, a lot of it is very experimental. And it makes a lot of these projects exciting. I think CryptoPunks was one example of that, where it was completely experimental. I don't think they intended for or knew that it would become what it is today. And I don't think that that's why they did it in the first place. And, you know, in the whole NFT space, when you look at a bunch of the artists, they're also, there's a lot of experimental artists as well. Generative art is experimental. And so... Mm -hmm. It's really difficult to, I think, parse through what's meaningful and what isn't. The DAO space is one in particular. I had someone on the other day that was sort of merging DeFi and NFTs. I think I'm going to have another person on discussing that space. And I'm seeing a lot of evolutions of that. But it makes you wonder, you know, one example that comes up is sort of partial NFT ownership, which seems like a beautiful way to inflate the value of these NFTs. So like if I can get in on your NFT, like your specific one, you may not have, like, let's say you price it at $18 million today, which seems ludicrous today, but if 10,000 people buy into it and they put in $10, it's a hundred, okay, that may be the wrong amount, $100, whatever the amount is, and the value of that trades up and down, then there's a chance that it ends up being worth much more and you were the one that had access theoretically to those individual tokens associated with it. So I feel like they're, I don't know, It's there, there's a lot of questionable structures to some of these things, which make me wonder, like, I have to live in another country in order for this to uh, actually work out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly an, an exciting time. And I think there are going to be a lot of, you know, evolutionary pressures that, you know, will either uh, crush or, you know, e- either crush some of these, these organizations, these DAOs, uh, or like make them into a gem, you know, from the pressures. And it's like, Part, part of the issue there is also like ter- different terms are used. Like we might describe like these various NFT DAOs uh, as being more or less similar. Like we talk about say Squiggle DAO or Punk DAO or Flamingo DAO, but like they all, you know, organizationally work very different and have different goals. And, and you know, so there's this sort of like terminology overlap when, when really, you know, there isn't quite a one-to-one, they're the non-fungible. <laughs> but the fractionalized ownership, I think is going to be a huge thing as things evolve. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of these things, a lot of these NFTs, especially things like like CryptoPunks, you know, they have, um, as we've seen with like Spotty Wi-Fi and who's, who's here with us listening, I see, and uh, G Money and uh, Punk Four One Sixty Five, like there's this branding element that, that comes into play. And like right now, we have individuals and and or maybe DAOs. Uh, we can talk about um, you know the Alien DAO that uh, or the Alien that was purchased by Flamingo DAO, um, but there's this 
this branding aspect comes into play that, you know, you could have members of these fractionalized ownership DAOs like control how this, this NFT that they've, they've purchased and are using as, as their, you know, brand icon or their, their mascot, like how, how it behaves, you know, what kind of voice it vote on, what kind of like synthesized uh, deep fake voice it has, you know, we might, I wouldn't surprise me to see like, you know, companies buy some of these sorts of assets uh, to use in their branding as well. So I think, I think there's, a lot of really interesting things that are going to happen with, with fractionalized ownership as that whole space evolves. Yeah, I completely agree. It feels really early, but that also in the world of crypto, oftentimes that there's uh, huge market inefficiencies and also huge opportunities that lie there. But it also simultaneously feels like a trap to like go down that path, especially like I would not make this your first entry into investing is to invest in a DAO. You should probably still be <laughs> building out your retirement portfolio, maybe more of a traditional way. However, given the volatility here, there is tremendous upside. So you could put a small amount in and you're a great example of this where you end up with an asset that ends up being worth w- way more where it didn't, you know, it, d- it didn't cost that much up front. The de- uh, there was a DAO the other day. I don't know uh, if you saw this one, although I'm blanking on <laughs> blanking on the details right now. But essentially, they managed to purchase, there were like $2.5 million DAOs created to just go buy pieces of art from different artists for a cause. <laughs> and so it's interesting, but, oh, yeah. but I don't know what, um, Edward Snowden was tweeting about it. And so I don't know what the ultimate like benefit of that is though. Like as you described, like if I'm part of a club that's like debating what we do with this particular crypto punk, like that's quite a niche audience even to to begin with. And like, am yeah. I, am I going to want to like invest in that versus, I mean, I guess you can view it like a golf club. The only distinction is I'm not playing golf. The sport that we're playing is collectibles. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I think, I mean, I think a lot of these groups are still finding, finding what their mission statement kind of is too. It's like, and it's something that's going to evolve as, as the whole space evolves because you know, what can be done and the organizations that can be formed, you know, that will be changing too is, is we kind of, I think find find a rhythm, find a the, the kind of basic sorts of structures that work and what what doesn't, um, and and what kind of goals are you know should be pursued. I mean, in, in the case of the um, you know the the DAO purchasing art for charity, you know that, that's I mean effectively it just sounds like a um, you know a nonprofit charitable organization that at the end of the day get, they get this art, the money goes to you know the artist and or whatever organization the artist wants to direct those funds to. Um, as part of the agreement, and then maybe they'll turn around and auction the NFT that they just purchased off to be able to then again spend that money, you know, in another charitable way. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's, it's a brave new world, that's for sure. Yeah, and I do agree. Yeah, from the charity standpoint, it makes sense. Justin Aversano was posting about in the CryptoPunks how he was uh, in the Discord, how he was working with lawyers to actually structure the first nonprofit in the crypto environment that actually can like receive money via crypto. Now, I don't, I don't know that that's a down necessarily, but regardless, there's, there's a lot of work to be done and it's quite, there's a, uh, it's a frothy market. So there happens to be a lot of money sort of shifting around at the moment of people willing to invest in wildly speculative stuff, uh, which makes the headlines exciting. But it also makes me get back to wondering like, how do we get this down to a practical level? Like, what? How do? How does someone? I mean, I see that for one, and I'm like, 
hey, should we just set up a DAO and go raise $5 million? Like, is that possible? <laughs> like, how, how do we, like, it seems like such significant amounts that are being raised for causes, but that simultaneously, I guess it also has to do with the fact that a lot of these individuals have crypto locked up and they have nowhere else to put it. So they're like, hey, I might as well donate to a good cause, regardless of it, whether it's tax deductible. Anyways, I'm, I'm going on a, on a, a tangent here about this, uh, about this Snowden now, but it just popped up and I thought it was uh, relevant. So I'm curious where you see the sort of punk space evolving. Since you were a visionary at the beginning, where do you see it evolving to over the next like year or so? That's a good question. I think, I think maybe part of that will hinge on what you know, Laravel Labs has up their sleeves with uh, uh, their Project 3 um, and what that is. You know, if it's a platform of some, some sort, then that's, you know, that could be a whole new evolutionary step. Uh, I mean, as we've discussed, you know, there's the whole space of fractionalized ownership and rentals. And um, I think there's going to be like a lot more platforms that will be able to at least like use and confirm ownership of uh, CryptoPunks and NFTs at large, you know, so I think it's going to be more common to be able to plug in your NFTs into various you know, platforms uh, with confirmed ownership and like, you know, with Web 2.0 type backing to add that assurance. We've seen, I mean, we've seen, you know, punk bodies pop up. There's probably going to be, I don't know, punk vehicles. Maybe we'll see a lot of those features expressed more in like our virtual spaces or metaspace or metaverse, you know, across the various, uh, you know, VR and 3D realms. But as far as where it's going to go, like, you know, even, even two or three years out, I mean, that's, that's, it gets pretty difficult. I mean, it was only it was less than four years ago or so that, you know, CryptoPunks launched. And, and now it's become this, this thriving part of, you know, a, a large facet of a thriving whole new commodity community and ecosystem. So, like, where it's going to be in, you know, three years, that's, uh, I'll let you know when I figure it out. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, if people want to find you online, uh, where can they do that? I'm usually in the uh, the CryptoPunks Discord channel. There's also Twitter. And um, check out my Instagram if you're curious. There's see some of my travel photos from uh, my time uh, wandering as a CryptoPunk trader and semi-photographer person. <laughs> um, and that's uh, Stray Bits on Instagram. But yeah, those are probably the main channels. Mostly Discord. And in terms of like resources, people, places to check out, are there any people that you follow for inspiration at the moment in the world of NFTs? You know, I, I kind of, I, think, I guess I kind of take the shotgun approach. You know, I, I've been following a lot of like uh, generative artists and a lot of artists that just make really compelling work on, on Twitter. People who are building things and platforms, like those are the ones I tend to look to to see like, you know, what interests them, what, what gets them excited, who are they following. I guess I'm kind of more of one of those people who just kind of like try, try to pay attention, you know, and, and explore and investigate things of interest and you know so it's, it's hard for me to say it's any one person unfortunately it's just it's just kind of like you know always be investigating always you know look for what interests you what compels you and you know explore that as, as far as you, you can to see you know what why does it make why is that compelling to you and you know if it's compelling to you and it's compelling to this other person who is doing that thing but you know what's their world what's who are they connected to what are they, what are those people doing yeah, that's, that's the best advice I can give. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and coming on to this call from Indonesia. So yeah, thanks again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, no problem. 
That's it for this episode of the Nifty Nick podcast. And if you made it this far, make sure to subscribe at thenifty.com. Thanks again.